Let's do it. Let's talk about the hog mollies. This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining another episode of Locked On Baylor, brought to you by LinkedIn. I'm your host, Cam Stewart. And today, we're going to talk some more portal prospects. I know, how fun. And you know what, guys? I really appreciate you, the fan. I do. There's so many of you that listen every single day. You put comments down there every day. You know that helps out the channel. You like and subscribe. You tell your friends all the good stuff I tell you to do. And I really appreciate that. So... I want to prove how much I appreciate you guys. Before I get into today's episode, we're going to do a mailbag this week. Not because there's no Baylor sporting events going on basically the whole week. No, because I love you guys. And I know there are questions out there that you guys have that either I haven't thought of or I haven't researched enough or I haven't talked to the right people. So put that down in the comments below. You know, don't get nasty with it. Just what 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 do you want me to talk about on a show this week? Any burning topics that you just need the answers to? Go ahead. Please do. Please do. And you know what? Because, because I do listen to you guys. And the mailbag episode is going to prove that I love you guys. But today's episode is going to prove to you that I listen. Okay? Because I, I see the comments. I see what you guys are saying. That I need to stop talking about Blake Shapin. That uh, rumors out there that I might want to marry Blake Shapin. Look, I could do a lot worse. Blake seems like a pretty stand-up guy. About my height too, so he's not towering over me. It's a le- It's legal in a lot of states. Yeah, like every state person who made that comment. Yes, yes, it is legal. So I'm gonna stop. I- you guys want me to stop talking about Blake Shapin. I'm not going to say Blake Shapin. I am never going to mention Blake Shapin's name again. There is no way you will catch me saying the name Blake Shapin on this podcast. Like, I'm serious. On Locked on Baylor, I will not say the name Blake Shapin. I'm just not going to do it. You want me to say the name Blake Shapin? Too bad. I'm not going to say the name Blake Shapin. Why would I say the name Blake Shapin? He hasn't played for Baylor. I'm focused on guys who play for Baylor. And one guy who does not play for Baylor is Blake Shapin. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, so Blake Shapin was the quarterback when they won the Big 12. So what? He's gone. I'm not saying Blake Shapin's name. I would never. I wouldn't dare say the name Blake Shapin on this podcast. If I had a producer, I'd dump it right now. I just wouldn't be caught dead saying the name Blake Shapin on Locked on Baylor after he's transferred. Anyway, wish you the best, Blake Shapin. But we're not saying your name, which is Blake Shapin. Ever again. And the other reason I'm listening to you is because you guys have said, Cam, shut up about the quarterbacks. We've got a quarterback. You talked yesterday about how much you like the quarterback. I don't need a quarterback. Got RJ Martinez backing him up. We're good. We got friend of the show, Nate Bennett, coming to campus. We're good. And I agree on that. Fine. I won't talk about quarterback. Those of you who don't say, uh, the sky is always blue around here and see things through the light of reality have made the correct point that, Cam, the problem is not quarterback. It's offensive line. And to you loyal listeners who have been saying that, you are absolutely right. Thousand percent right. It's always been the offensive line. In fact, not just this year, but you look back 
since the, the last five years. So the first time Baylor went to the Sugar Bowl back in 2019, they have been up and they have been down. That year, they go to the conference championship. They go to the Sugar Bowl. That's 11 wins. Next year, it's two and seven. The next year, it's 12 and two. Then it's six and seven. Then it's three and nine. And one thing that has always been the barometer of the team, the thing that has brought them up or brought them down, has been the offensive line under two different coaches, both of whom seem to put a premium on the offensive line, but one, Dave Aranda, who just kind of said that and didn't recruit the position very well, didn't uh, hit the portal very well at that position, he and the offensive staff, of course. And when I look at it this year, I was I was doing my research today of, I've actually done this for a couple of days, of the offensive linemen that Baylor should be looking at or they have offered. And one thing that has stuck out off the page for me is there ain't many that they've offered, that they've shown interest in. There's not many. Maybe Jake Spavadol was right. Not that they don't need to go to the portal, but that they may not go to the portal. And that concerns the heck out of me, guys. It really does. And I kind of mentioned this in passing on the show yesterday, and I think another time last week, but I think Baylor might, might have had too many guys coming back in terms of what their plan was for the transfer portal. No, nothing, this is no personal attack against these kids. I'm glad they're coming back. I, I hope they get better and make the team better. But when you're a three and nine team, you want to mix things up especially when you don't fire the coach. The next thing would be the assistant coaches, which he's done, and then bringing in new personnel to fit those coaches and bring winning back. And that hasn't happened. And I think that is a roadblock for this Baylor coaching staff right now. In the most positive way possible, like Jake Spavadol said in the in this introductory presser, there's not much attrition here in this program between player and coach. That's just what he said, and that's what we're seeing in terms of the lack of guys going to the transfer portal. We're still sitting at just four. Alfonso Allen, George Maley, uh, Drake Dabney, and Blake Shapin. Oh, Cam. You were never supposed to say Blake Shapin's name. Sorry, I will stop saying Blake Shapin. No more Blake Shapin. Blake Shapin's not going to be mentioned ever again. I certainly will not mention Blake Shapin. But those are the four guys that have gone into the portal for you. And you look at those positions, well, tight end, they were actually pretty okay. They were, they were good at tight end. Drake Dabney was the best one, but you saw flashes from Kelsey Johnson last year. Matthew Klopfenstein gave you good snaps this year, both in the passing game and in the blocking game. Jake Roberts was an impact transfer. You're okay at tight end, okay? That one's gone. George Maley leaves on the offensive line. Offensive line needs a ton of help. Yeah, but he didn't take any snaps. He didn't play a lick. No siree. So not much of a movement there. Alfonso Allen, safety is kind of a need. Defensive back in general, I guess, is not, but safety is. He's gone. And the other one is Blake Shapin. Oh, golly. I said it again. Blake Shapin. A quarterback, a position that, at the end of the day, wasn't that big a deal for your team. It was pretty solid this year. I think it's going to be solid again this next year um, with Sawyer Robertson. If he is so, if he is the guy, I think he fits this offense well. So, bye bye, Blake Shapen. God, Blake Shapen, 
can't stop. But it's concerning me that the position that everyone's coming back in in the offensive line is the one they really need to help at the most. And I don't know who's going to be coaching them up. And I hope Spavadol's scheme of, of tempo is going to help. But it's going to take something big, which what we saw from 2020 to 2021. In 2020, they, they were horrible, horrible on the line, just dreadful. Like one of the very worst teams in the country, very similar to what we saw last year, this past year, 2023. But going into the next year in 21, they brought basically their whole line back and became one of the best in the country under Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos. So it's going to need to be that kind of jump, it looks like, because they haven't offered many guys in the portal at that position. But who they have looked at and maybe who they should look at, we're going to go over after this. But first, I got to tell you, Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not like any other job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy. When you have that many quality candidates, so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Okay, LinkedIn knows you're wearing a ton of different hats when you're when you're running your small business. You won't got time to put out all this hiring stuff. LinkedIn's going to do that for you. The process is intuitive. It's quick. It's easy. They even just launched a, fe- launched a feature It helps you write your own job descriptions and make the process even easier and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so I can sit here and bitch and moan all season long, all off season long about how bad the offensive line is. And I do kind of do that. But let's look at some solutions. I'm going to go the John Taffer route. I don't embrace excuses. I embrace solutions. Okay, so let's look at who is available, who is in the portal. Now, I kind of mentioned it in the last segment. There is a world, and this happens in college football more so than just that that one Baylor year. It's not, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen where you bring in a lot of the pers- the same personnel that you had last year, and you improve. And I will say one thing about the offensive line in general is it is more chemistry based than any position on the field, maybe any position in sports in a lot of ways. I, th- I think chemistry in a lot of sports is is overrated. Um, if you have talent and you have IQ, 
then it's going to be there. You're going to have a winning formula. But with the offensive line, it is. It's it's a unit. It's it's a unit that has more players on the field than anybody else, and you've got to work in lockstep. And if one guy doesn't do their job, it can all go haywire. That's why football's the ultimate team sport. And within football, the offensive line is the ultimate team unit. And it was not there this year for Baylor. And they did bring in some new guys, the Barrington brothers uh, being the being the notable ones in the transfer portal. So you look at them and you're like, okay, first couple of weeks, uh, it's not it's not a good product. I think they had, what, eight pre-snap penalties in week one in the loss of Texas State. And so you do need to have some, some cohesiveness, some continuity. Well, Baylor didn't really have a lot of injuries on the offensive line this year. They, for the most part, kept out the same five. And it never got better. It did not get better. Again, they allowed more sacks than anybody in the country. Or, excuse me, in the Big 12. And I think their worst performance as an offensive line was in October against Tech. So I, I can't use that excuse. I just can't. They've gotten enough time together to be a cohesive unit. And so to me, that says, yeah, maybe bringing back the same personnel can work, but let's look at the portal and see what the options are because I, I'm putting my money a little bit more there right now. Guys who have experience at the highest level of college football and have succeeded in doing so and been a part of good offensive line units. So let's look at these these options. I'm going to start with the two guys that I have seen that play on the line that Baylor has actually offered. Okay. First one is Sterling Porcher, a tackle from middle Tennessee. And before I get into him, I should say the way I'm looking at this isn't the same as the way I was looking at it last year when, you know, you you needed a center for Baylor going into the season, but you really needed tackles with Connor Galvin leaving. That's not so much the case this year. If you are going to hit the portal, you're going to need to look at any position. Any offensive line position will do. Uh, obviously, you'll prioritize guys at tackle, prioritize guys at guard, whatever. But Baylor's not in a position in this position <laughs> to pass up any kind of talent just because they play on the interior or or the exterior, if you will, on the outside. So Sterling Porcher um, is a tackle. Okay, he's 6'4", 304, and this would be his third stop. He's at Middle Tennessee, started at Iowa Western in JUCO, and he slimmed down from about 320. So he comes in as a big old body <laughs> playing tackle, and we know that you can't play tackle at the next level just because you're big. Okay, you can't even do that at guard, although it's a little bit more acceptable. So he slims down all the way to 304, Looks like he has two years of eligibility left. He's listed as a junior, uh, but he's got the experience. He's going to be 23 by the time the season starts. And so he obviously, like I mentioned, played at Iowa Western, took them to the JUCO National Championship game, by the way, as a starter. And in two seasons at Middle Tennessee, again, not the not the greatest level of competition, but still in the FBS, he has started all 25 games. So he comes in, steps in right away as a starter, and is one of the leaders on that offense, starting all 25 games. And what's interesting about him is he did have a late start on things. According to 24-7, he only played as a senior in high school, so that would explain the JUCO route and the needing to slim down a little bit. Um, so that that growth and that slimming out um, 
was probably from a move from guard to tackle, which has worked. Now, there is the bad part about this, and this will be for, for everyone. I'll, I'll try to mention uh, the stats that goes along with their team. Obviously, there's no, there's no database that shows me how many pancakes uh, Sterling Porcher had or any offensive lineman had. So take this with a grain of salt, but I look at the stats that their offense put out and mainly would be the things that would be sacks allowed and um, rushing. Rushing is a little bit easier to measure for offensive linemen than passing is, although passing protection is still obviously a big part. Uh, but the bad about this is Middle Tennessee allowed 32 sacks this year. That was 103rd in the nation. But those of you keen listeners to the Locked on Baylor show or ones that follow the stats will say, 32, that's it? That's right, because Baylor was at 107 with 34 sacks allowed in 2023, more so than anybody in the Big 12 Conference. Middle Tennessee didn't rush the ball all that well either. They were 99th in rush yards per game at about 124, which is less than four a carry. And, oh yeah, Baylor was at 109 with 114 yards a game. So better than Baylor. Already, that's a step up, baby. (laughs) Remington Strickland. This guy who plays on the inside. That's a guard from Texas A&M. Boy, does that sound like Texas money or what? Strickland propane. Remington Strickland. Uh, goes to A&M, 6'4", 300 pounds. Um, and he's had a, a tough time staying on the field for A&M, not injury-wise. Uh, but he had some time playing at center. That seems to be his natural trait, or excuse me, his natural position in college would be at center. Um but he did lose that starting job this year, it looks like, and became kind of a spot starter at guard, which which worked out for him uh, to some extent. But but no starts this year. Nine games he played in, so played in most of AM's games, but but didn't start. This is a Texan native. Um, Sterling Porcher is not. Uh, Remington Strickland is. He is from Sugarland, went to Fort Bend Christian, so didn't play at the highest level of high school football before making that jump. Uh, but one of the scouting reports on him, both at 24-7 and his high school coach said this too, is he kind of plays above his weight a little bit. And the way they they talked about it was he plays mean. Just a mean SOB down there in the trenches and loves to run block, loves to finish his blocks, wants you to know that he's the one blocking you. That's something you can't teach. Is it going to be able to overcome kind of the physical quote-unquote deficiencies. I use that term lightly. Um, I don't know, but you can't teach nasty. You can't do that. It just has to be something you're born with. And at this position where it's just a constant struggle, you have to have that in you. And Remington Strickland does. And like most of the guys at AM, I think he's just looking for another opportunity. And that's one that could be really intriguing at Baylor. Uh, now, two more who have not been offered by Baylor. I'm going to go through these quick. Um, Easton Kilty, he's a tackle from North Dakota, um, one of the, the University of North Dakota, which was actually my second choice college, by the way, if it wasn't Baylor. So he is a guy who has started all three years. Um, started, yeah, every game since his redshirt freshman season, which was 2021, playing both guard and tackle mainly on the right side, 6'5", 305, prototypical body uh, for an offensive lineman, a little bit on the smaller end of tackle, but could probably still play tackle at this level, no doubt, uh, has had plenty of offers 
Auburn, Tech, A&M, Oklahoma State, and he just did his official visit at Kansas State. So again, Baylor has not offered him. Probably a little late in the game for that, but he is one of the most sought-after guys in the portal. And another one who's in that top 15 range, uh, at least by, I think it was on three who did this, for the transfer portal, Jalen Travis from the Princeton Tigers, baby. The kid's got smarts, and he can sure block for a quarterback. 6'9 and 315 pounds. You don't notice when Jalen Travis walks into the room. He is the room. All Ivy the last two years. Left tackle. Beautiful. Prospect. I mean, this guy's a legitimate pro prospect in the Ivy League. And his team at Princeton last year was number one in passing and number two in total offense. The guy can pass block for some skill players. Now, they did have a less rushing yards per game this year than Baylor did. Whatever, whatever. Not a Texas guy. He's a Minnesota native. He has offers from Syracuse, South Carolina, Houston, Duke, Kansas, and Iowa State. So, he's attracting some of the biggest programs in the nation, um, not the least of which being Kansas, which was before Jeff Grimes got there, but I'm sure he's not exactly rescinding that offer. And some other schools in your conference, Houston and Iowa State. So those are four guys I'm looking at. Now, I will keep an eye on it here in the next few days, but does anyone jump off the page for you there? Uh, I like the, the the things that people are saying about Remington Strickland, but we haven't exactly seen the production on the field. Sterling Porcher, we have. We have seen the production on the field. It's just at a little bit of a lower level, not a huge level. So those are the guys that I have got circled at offensive line. Now, there are some skill positions we still do need to talk about. That's coming up after this break. A break that is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right, $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now. There's all these sports going on. You're going to have to watch them at family parties, and you don't want to be talking to people, at least if you're me. So you want to be focused in on whatever game is in front of you. That's where FanDuel steps in because they have got spreads, player props, over-unders, anything you can think of to bet on. They have got it. And if that doesn't convince you it's the best time, how about this? Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you get that deal that I started with at the beginning. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. $150 if your team wins. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So there are some skill positions left. Looking at wide receiver, I'm just going to highlight one guy today. And it's not even the one who's number one on my list, but there's an interesting development here. The number one guy on my list is Jamori Macklin from UNT, who has been offered by Baylor. He's the cousin of Jeremy Macklin, but don't let that stand on its own. His production can stand on its own. He went over 1,000 yards this year. He was a big play guy out of the slot for a good UNT offense. He is, he is an NFL receiver. He truly is. And another one who kind of fits the mold of NFL receiver is is one that's in a little bit of a pinch 
right now. Okay. I'm talking about Eric McAllister. He's a wide receiver from Boise State. And he had a big year this year 47 receptions, 873 yards, five touchdowns, 19 yards a catch. He is that outside receiver that Baylor could really, really use. 6'4, 200 pounds, long and lanky. Those guys play, especially at Baylor. And he is a Texas native. He's from Azel up there in the Metroplex. And the, the kind of good slash bad of this is he did leave his team early. He left with three games to go with Boise State to focus on the transfer portal uh, because he had a, a bit of a falling out, it seems like, with his, with his coach. Uh, that's Avalos. And if that Avalos name sounds familiar to you, that's because... Looks like he's going to take the job as the defensive coordinator at TCU. Well, where was Eric McAllister's crystal ball projection 100% at this week? TCU. So I think they literally, they had him in the door. And this could mess everything up. He He's not pulled punches about it. He has said it in interviews. Um, I think it was uh, Bronco Nation Daily was the one who had it, saying... Yeah, they they were at ends, and he didn't comment much further, but could tell that he just did not had a deteriorated relationship with his head coach. And now that guy is going to be in the same locker room on the different side of the ball, sure. But in the same locker room, I don't think Eric McAllister's going for that. I really don't. And I think TCU might have to pick DC or this receiver, and they're probably going to pick DC, which means Eric McAllister might might open things up even more in the transfer portal. He's already got a relationship with Jake Spavadol. Remember how Jake Spavadol didn't really recruit a lot of Texas high school football guys when he was at Texas State? I do. I remember that. He was a big portal guy. Now he's forgotten those ways, apparently. But one of the few guys that he did recruit out of high school, so a real diamond in the rough, clearly a special player if he's... Uh, if Spavadol's looking for him out of out of high school, is Eric McAllister, wouldn't you know? So there's a relationship there. And there's a relationship with the DC at TCU, but it ain't very good. So this is this just just interesting to me. I think bringing in someone like McAllister to play on the outside is just going to prove huge dividends for your offense in general, but also Keytron Jackson. I really think I, I just see Keytron Jackson as more of a of a of a Y receiver anyway, um, someone who can still play on the outside, but is but is physical and clearly struggled this season when dropping when drawing the best the other team's best assignment their best corner, um, and with the lack of versatility on Baylor's offense, they were able to really key on Keytron Jackson. Baylor hasn't had a guy that a receiver that they've needed to teams have needed a game plan around since Tyquan Thornton left. And I think Eric McAllister has some Tyquan Thornton in him. I mean, he's a burner and he could open things up in the red zone. The way we saw Tyquan did um, that we didn't really see Tyquan do in 2019 or 2020, but a guy with that kind of length and those kind of ball skills and how quick they are off the line, that's a real red zone threat. And Baylor stunk in the red zone this year. I mean, they stunk most of the places, but when they got near that red zone, that it was it was bad. It was atrociously bad. So Eric McAllister, if you don't like that Avalos guy, come on. 
we're here just you know 100 miles down the road got a beautiful stadium got a better basketball team have a big 12 championship more recently <laughs> don't look at the record against TCU but come on down the here and help us help us turn that around Eric Anyway, we got some more receivers that I'm going to look at throughout the week. But remember, I am going to have one this week. I'm not sure if it's going to be tomorrow or Thursday, but I'm looking for a mailbag episode. So drop whatever questions you have down in the comments below. Find us on Twitter at LockedOnBaylor or at RealCamStewart is where you find me. Uh, shoot us a DM. Tweet at us. Send us a question. Uh, I am literally going to spend a whole episode just answering y'all's questions as a time to kind of catch up here in at the end of a wacky football season and in the middle of what's supposed to be a very promising basketball season. And before you guys have to deal with the in-laws and, you know, all the great stuff about Christmas too, drop that in the comments below. We're going to do a little mailbag. Be sure to like and subscribe, share, find us on social media. This is the only place you're getting nothing but Baylor Athletics content five days a week from something that's not called Baylor University. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. We'll be back tomorrow with Locked on Baylor.